Hey guys, this is Pineapple. So this episode contains some not so nice four letter words in it. And if you hear this sound, that means that uh, we have bleeped something out. We just want to give a little warning because I know that in the context of the sentences, it might be obvious what words uh, were supposed to be said. So if you have children and you don't want them to hear that, um, you know, this would not be an episode to listen to with them. Thanks. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Wholesome Transmissions. Um, so I am flying solo today. My, my co-host radio, um, for those of you who don't know, he works as basically a, a machine repairman. So he travels quite a bit and the schedule's kind of all over the board. So he was not able to make it today. I think he was flying to, I think he was flying to Tampa like right now. So he's out, I'm flying solo. And we've got a, a very exciting guest on today. Um, and again, this is the show about, uh, we've kind of boiled it down to basically just video games, the people that play them, and mentality. So that's what we're running with. Um, but yeah, so today we have a very special guest with us. Um, so we have my friend uh, Danny, aka Hanukkah Jamboree. Hello, how are you doing, Hanukkah? Hello, how's everyone doing? I, I hope everyone's doing well that's listening to this. I would be really sad if they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for those of you who don't know, Hanukkah is a prominent competitive arms player in the arms scene, um, but he's also a tournament organizer. He streams quite a bit. Um, he's an awesome boyfriend. And if you're in the arms scene, you have probably heard or know or have been involved with events that Hanukkah has done. Um, he also is a, a STL local, so he has really supported the St. Louis scene and done a lot of um, awesome things there. So we're really happy to have him on board. Um, we've kind of made this like first season of the show like a kind of a hodgepodge of arms people and then some other people that we we know. Um, and again, the goal is to kind of have conversations about positive outlooks and just mentality and uh, hopefully get some uh, learning out of it and you know continue this ongoing discourse with how to how to play competitive games and how to kind of get through life. So um, starting out Hanukkah, how is your how is your job going? Because I know that you are working with with in the bonds market, if I'm not mistaken, and you finished your your certification. So how is work going for you? Uh, that's good. So for for those those listening who may not know, I work for uh, a finance firm within America, and I'm, I'm not going to disclose which one. Uh, <laughs> Probably for the best. Ma- mainly because, yeah, I haven't checked all the le- legal repercussions of it because I definitely what... signed a, a lot of NDAs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, part of the reason why is, is I am I am a federally, federally licensed. I have passed the, the Series 7 examination, part of the Securities Industries Examinations uh, series of exams, to, to, to put it simply to become a licensed financial advisor. So uh, I don't have all the qualifications my company needs for me to be a financial advisor, but to be a leader uh, in the home office, the whole responsibility there, I've got the certifications I need. So I've transitioned out of a training period of one year, which my company has a, a very long training cycle. It's awesome. It was great. That's, get to spend that's really a good. year learning. Yeah. Um, I'm, now, I'm now working full-time as a programmer. Uh, I actually have to get back on after this and double check one or two things got implemented correctly during the day. Oh crap! So what um, what programming languages then are you working in now? So I am mainly a Java dev. Uh, of course, yeah. working in front end also requires you to know JavaScript, HTML, CSS, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but primarily, I'm I'm fiddling around with Java and then trying to pick up one or two mainframing languages, just basic knowledge of them on the mm-hmm. side, because that is that is still very critical at uh, our our company. There's a lot that's handled on the mainframe that is then just passed to the Java side and the Java side just fiddles with it. 
So I had I had absolutely no idea that you were a programmer because I knew you worked in the financial advising industry, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that was where you were at. And did did you go to school for that? Like, where was that your focus? Or I thought it was like something more business related. Uh, so I got I got a very businessy sounding degree. You're right. I got a degree in computer science with an emphasis in information technology. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, from Webster University. So. Western University, that's their school of business that handles computer science. And they're very tuned in to all the local businesses here. So ending up at the the, the firm I did kind of kind of makes sense, all things considered, because they do have a really big tech shop. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, my school, my emphasis at school was uh, computer science. But it actually works out pretty well because the firm I'm at isn't like super, super cutting edge, you know? Yeah. They, they just have a lot of technology that it's worked for years. They'll continue to use it until it doesn't work. And that, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of how I like it because the, the bleeding edge stuff, uh, I've just never been super interested in. I was, I was like, I'll, I'll sit up, like look at it for five seconds, be like, Ooh, that's neat. And then I just don't care. anymore. <laughs> well, that's awesome to hear. And how has it been sort of balancing? I mean, obviously you're working full time and you're no longer in university. And I, I, I know that I, I spoke to nine about this a bit, but just sort of like, adulting and you know managing like your your esport life which i know you're very passionate about with with your full-time work and how has that been recently i know over the the past year you've still gone to several majors which we'll kind of get into later um but how has that been uh it's way harder than i thought oh my god i guess i guess there's like so in addition to uh my eight hour a day job at a minimum sometimes longer if they need me for for extra stuff because i'm salaried Mm-hmm. Um, I also work out four times a week and my girlfriend is currently getting her master's degree in Chicago. So we're setting goals to meet each other and hang out, um, twice a month with me going up there once and her coming down here once. So mm-hmm. game time has, has shrunk quite a bit. So, and I've talked about it with, with other people, especially other graduates from the, the Webster fighting game community, which I formerly ran is that. Practice sessions still happen. They're just there's much tighter time periods now, and you usually need to actually schedule them. You can't just have a randomly clear six hour block during the day anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I've I've certainly felt that when 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 trying to train for a tournament or just trying to get in high level arms practices, usually it's like reaching out beforehand to certain people that I know that will be useful to spar with. Um, and setting up a time because otherwise um, that block might be wasted. And yeah, I mean, it's just sort of, you have a lot less time to spend. Um, it's a lot more difficult to manage everything going on. And I mean, really awesome on you though, to, to schedule that with your girlfriend and to see each other. I know that when uh, my wife and I, you know, we live uh, two and a half hours away about for the three year, three plus years we dated. And yeah, it was like once or twice a month we tried to, you know, go see each, see each other. And it's it's tough. The long distance relationship is is difficult. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad to hear that it's working out, but it's it's tough. I, I understand that. So are you still organizing tournaments in STL or are, have you kind of taken a step back to just being in the community more? When you oh, have no, I'm definitely still I'm definitely still organizing. Um, OK, so right now, mainly what I do is uh, I. It's a holdover from when I was in university, actually, still, but it's it's consistent. And they like it. The the local Microsoft store in the Galleria, okay. they, uh, they have us run Rivals of Vader there once a month. And that game, I mean, the community here is actually growing really fast because of all the, the news around it recently. So mm-hmm. it's actually getting easier and easier to run those. And half the time I can just show up with a bracket made. Everyone else brings their laptops and we're good to go. Um, 
And I still like Rivals of Aether a lot. It's become my holdover for when Smash Ultimate is giving me a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> so ha- have you um, you've got more involved with Rivals of Aether, and mm-hmm. is that community... I mean, so I guess my question is, um, are you doing anything arm- ARMS-related, or is it just sort of that? And then... Um, I guess, you know, again, how does that fit into your schedule, though, in terms of trying to run a local on top of everything else you've got going on? Oh, I'm definitely still running ARMS stuff. Um, it's actually not that bad because it's only, it's only once a month, and it's on Wednesday nights, you know, for a, for a oh, month. Yeah. It's, a, it's a Wednesday night one, but, I mean, hell, they give us free snacks, so no one's really complaining. Um, but it, it definitely, I mean, that's, you know, that's one more day out of the month that uh, I just got to go do a thing in the evening, so less time for other stuff. Uh, that's yeah. just how it works. That's how being alive works. Um, <laughs> Both arms, we're still trying to do bi-weekly uh, Thursday night stuff. It's been hard recently, actually, uh, because people are either off of college or they're getting ready to go to college or they were getting married. Congrats, Name. You got married. Oh, he got married. That's awesome. Congrats, Name. I'm what very, happy. I'm very um, happy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that has just made it very difficult to get to get people available and out. So... We've been more practicing than we have running any sort of brackets or mm-hmm. round robin stuff. But um, I've got some plans coming up here in the next month or two, especially as Smash Out 2019 oh, is yeah. uh, coming up here. I'll, I'll get the scene whipped back up into shape. I think, uh, <laughs> I think honestly, part of the, the, the balancing and whatnot right now is, is thrown off really hard because uh, recently I moved. I moved out of my parents' house. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. No, this this is a, a a nutty story, and it's part of the reason why everything feels feels weird every day. Uh, yeah, we move right. into this this condo, um, and the last tenant had done some handiwork wrong. Uh, so we we knew we were gonna have to do some repairs on it when we move in. Whatever, that's fine. It's a, it's a not like a new place, so you got to do a little touch up or whatever. He yeah. he had laid his all his own floors, um, but stopped at the closets, just left them with subfloor. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 just for for pretty much no reason. That or he couldn't figure out how to get uh, the panels and through the doors. I don't know. But um, <laughs> we start pulling them up to replace them with our own floors and also to to you know finish the closets. We don't want subfloor out, and yeah. we have to pull off baseboards. Well, one of the baseboards is underneath a door frame. We're like, okay, that was weird. He must have put on this door frame. So we pull yeah. off the door frame, and then we see that he put on a giant ugly door frame. Because he couldn't figure out how to finish drywall. Oh, that's <laughs> right. So then we're like, okay, cool. And then we have to finish some drywall. So then we start we start cutting out pieces so we can get more even drywall placed in. Like yes. Illegally spliced wiring. <laughs> and we're like, oh wow, this is actually a huge risk. We're glad we found this, but now this is another thing to add to our list of stuff we have to do. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, so it just basically, I mean, that's the start of the problems. There's more too, but like basically anytime we uncover an issue, we find out it's like used, it's the result of covering up another issue. Yeah. We've had that at our apartment a little bit. I mean, obviously in our, in an apartment, we don't have to pay for anything, but getting maintenance people and getting things to like actually get fixed sometimes has been difficult. Um, so I think this must've been a week and a half ago. Our garbage disposal stopped working completely. Oh my god! Yeah, so that was like whatever, you know. That's okay. We'll we'll get it fixed. Um, thankfully, we after a couple days, we got a new garbage disposal because the one in our apartment was like the original. 
And then that caused our dishwasher to break because, you know, the dishwasher uh, goes to the garbage disposal. Right. So we got to get the dishwasher replaced. And then at the same exact time, our, our fridge that's right next to the dishwasher starts um, making loud clanging noises like constantly and they're <laughs> so they're like oh we're gonna have to get the fridge replaced so we're currently waiting our fridge is still working but we're really worried now that it's like your like entire us. kitchen just needs to be changed yes that's what that's what uh my wife and i were saying was like we just need to get a new apartment basically because yeah everything is failing but it's yeah it's tough and especially when you get a condo it's like well you're responsible for it you know more yeah. or less so it's even it's even more difficult. And so that's kind of been the thing is that just like uh, I'll come home and half of my house is covered in wood dust and I can't vacuum because if I do, it's going to be covered in wood dust again another day, like just like oh. two days from now, you know? So yeah. the only things I have set up are like my PS4 in one room on a TV, uh, half of my usual setup in the office right now that I'm you know, using to talk to you on. Yeah. And then like my bed. And that's that's basically all my condo is right now. Like I can cook a little bit, but like I have to usually clean off the counter of wood dust first. So it, it's just the constant construction just throws off a lot of stuff. And it's uh, it, it definitely it hasn't made me apathetic, but it's certainly trying. <laughs> well, but I mean, you seem to handle uh, like the amount of stuff that you just mentioned is a lot to handle, especially as someone who's graduated college not too long ago. I mean, a, a year is a bit, but getting out of college, moving out and everything going on. I mean, what do you how do you like how do you manage or how do you function? Like, what are some things that you kind of do to help yourself get along and, and manage everything? Uh, well, you know, you have a good support network. I think, I think that helps me. My, my mom and her boyfriend have been helping pretty much do all the repairs. Okay. Um, and that, I mean, that's great that I, if I had to do this stuff on my own, oh my God, it'd be a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've got really, really solid friends still here locally that like, they'll, they'll just get me out of the house if like this place is under construction. Like, Hey, can I come hang somewhere so I don't have to be around all of it? And then, you know, of course, my girlfriend and stuff. It's just like a still still being around and being up for the things that happen after work and having a very nice and relaxed job where my coworkers aren't like trying to kill each other. And there isn't really an emphasis on me delivering results so much as I am just like doing the best I can and being clear about it. That I think definitely helps with with my life and mentality overall. I mean, that, that's great, because I think uh, when we spoke to uh, Nine Holgrains not too long ago about this, his response was sort of like the internal, you know, the things that go on in his head or the way he manages his time um, internally that helps him along. But I think you make a very good point that it also it heavily depends on people that you have in your life that are going to assist you when things get hard and, you know, when you need assistance or... You just need to pick me up because um, I think like absolutely like friends or family can give you like just that evening of motivation to help you do things or uh, a break from it all. And so that you can feel re-energized for tackling whatever next is to come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy to hear that. And I guess going on to just uh, I mean, I kind of want to I wanted to ask you this for a while, but what I want to get into um, some video game questions and and kind of talk about your top five video games of all time. Mm. Um, So 
now you don't have to give an order and you don't have to necessarily give exactly five, but I'm really curious to know sort of being a, a fighting game fanatic like you are and sort of having like, you seem to be very passionate about fighting games. I'm curious to see how many are in your top five or what other games kind of make the cut. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, let me, let me get my steam pulled up here. Um, the, the game that always, that always is on the top for me personally is, uh, and now it's actually really easy since they made a remastered collection. I can just say the Sly Cooper collection. Um, <laughs> I, I had played, I, I still, I'm curious, I, I'm considering getting rid of my PS2 to sell it off to someone who's actually going to use it rather than just me, which is like, it's just on a shelf, you know, mm-hmm. uh, going through my memory cards and seeing just how many hours I had put on slide one through three, because I, I replayed those games a lot. <laughs> like, I was considered speedrunning them for walks. I'm like, I've played them probably more than most other human beings on the planet. I bet I could probably speedrun them. Um, and they're also pretty defining in, in that uh, I still have a very, very large passion for stealth games. And to me, a lot of stealth games actually don't hit as well as, as slide. It was so fluid between stealth and combat mm-hmm. that I think a lot of other stealth games just don't really kind of worry about combat. That shouldn't be the focus of the game. I get that, but... Sly so was like, what if what if we were able to streamline kind of both aspects and, and make both of them as fun as they possibly could? And so that always just stood out to me really well. And it just it just hit a, in a time in my life where like I was I was young and had a bunch of video games to pour into, and that one was just like really character driven, very fun, cool to look at, accessible, that kind of stuff. I get that. Yeah, I've I've actually never played the Sly Cooper games, but they look amazing, and I've 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 always wanted to, but I've never I've never really owned a PlayStation, so it's yeah. been difficult. Don't you have a PS4 for Persona Five now? You get the collection. I have a PS3 actually, so I got I got a PS3 off of Craigslist actually oh. just to play Persona Five because I didn't have the money for a Wait, PS4. Is the collection on PS3 or PS4? Let's find out. I forgot. Did they remaster the games on PS3? They might. Oh, it was, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I forgot I... how old those games are. Oh my god, I'm gonna die soon. I'm so old. <laughs> no, 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 you're not. You still have several <laughs> years left. You're gonna be fine. Don't yeah, worry yeah. about it. <laughs> um, but moving on from that one, after that, uh, I mean, there's, I, I've played so many games, dude. I would definitely uh, knocking it down to just five. That's hard. Well, I guess looking at my Steam library a little bit, I would, uh, I would certainly put. I think I put Rainbow Six Siege in here because I've got 353 hours in that right now, and I only bought it earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen the many Twitter clips of you playing Rainbow Six Siege, and it looks like ate a lot of oh, oh baby, I'm killing, I'm killing it. Um, but I mean, it's also it's also the fact that I guess my opinion of the game changes because I have an active friend group that, like, at any given night, I can I can hit up that group. Yeah, or, or any other, and usually get a five-person squad going, which makes the game infinitely more fun. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what stood out for me with Arms a lot is like any given night you could mm-hmm. always find a, a, an arena to to spar with, and it makes it makes everything so much more fun. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, it goes without saying, Arms as well, of course. Okay. We to the fighting <laughs> section. Yeah. Now I was going. I was going through the stuff that I thought would be harder to answer first. That's okay. Um, I think. Also touching on on how much I love RPGs, I think uh, Yakuza Five. Okay. In my opinion, uh, I haven't played all the Yakuza's yet. I started with I started with a weird one. I started with Dead Souls, which was their their spinoff game that was originally supposed to be Yakuza Five, but then they didn't think it was a good idea because it sucked. Yeah. It was all the the parts of Yakuza that were like pretty interesting and character driven, 
but it had mm-hmm. no combat to break it up. It was all run and gun sections, and so it really just wasn't enjoyable. And I was gotcha. like, man, this, this sucks. I hope four is okay. And at the time, I didn't know that Dead Souls comes after four in a weird timeline. So then I played four, and I was blown away. I was like, oh, awesome. This game's paced amazingly. Right. <laughs> That's good. And then I went out of my way to get five, and five, uh, up until I think February of next year, is, is only a PS3 downloadable PSN exclusive in the West, in the English edition. Um, it's coming it's coming to the the collection of three four and five coming out but i was like so in love with because i'm like i gotta play five even if it's a digital download only and it never goes on sale or whatever um, yeah i gotta try it um and i busted back out my ps3 and and played all the way through it uh i think late last year early this year which is great because i think that game lines up around christmas again they like to do that Mm -hmm. um but that game is just uh, i mean absolutely phenomenal i love i love that there's an rpg that has like a very fluid combat system it mixes well with the with a cast of characters that they they have their very serious story and then they just allow them to kind of go and do whatever for fun to entertain the player you know it's all about how the players kind of enjoying the game because there's so yeah. many there's so many goofy moments tons of mini games side stuff that most people normally would never touch and then like i just get really into it and i do everything i, I like <laughs> I'm pretty sure I 100% of the game, except for there's a, a non-completion based NPC who signs you a bunch of quests to go get random food items from across Japan. Yeah. He's like post-game, post-game. It's really weird. I didn't finish that guy because it was, it was really tedious in my opinion. But, yeah. That was my experience with like with Final Fantasy 15, which is on my list, was like there were so many random little tidbits like that you could do outside of just, just the combat or the main story that... Um, most people would probably ignore, but if you enjoy the core mechanics and the characters, like it's so much fun to play through. So, like, I, I, I think I, I 100%ed Final Fantasy 15. That that is definitely one I'm I'm getting ready to play. Not super Ooh. soon. Like, I still got to finish Dragon Quest 13. Oh my god. Okay, well, that's fine. I'm sorry. I, 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 yeah, I'll I guess 11. Not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 13, we're, we're we're a couple years in the future. <laughs> Hello from 2025. The new Dragon Quest <laughs> game is great. Look forward to it. <laughs> Exactly, um, and I think for my last spot, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna have to occupy the same spot for me. Um, Tekken Seven and Rivals of Aether because not not similar in almost any way than that they are both fighting games, but two two fighting games which like I picked up after Smash Four. And I was tired of playing Smash Four. I was burnt mm-hmm. out on it. Um, I didn't enjoy the game's meta where it had been left. The company that owned it kind of felt like they were mocking the competitive community in a lot of ways. And I was just like, this is kind of like a weird relationship and it's just bumming me out, man. And every time <laughs> I played it, it would make it worse. And yeah. So eventually I quit it and, and Tekken 7 built so amazingly to be competitive. Bandai Namco and the Tekken company love the competitive community. They do everything to support it. They give it money. They give them tournaments. They give them a world tour. They stream it constantly. They, they bring back amazing DLC characters. They have tons of resources. And then Rivals of Aether is basically the same way. It, yeah. Dan Fornis and, and his group are constantly getting into majors, constantly throwing money at those majors, developing new skins, new characters for those majors and stuff. Like uh, All the stuff that I, I think the, makes the competitive community so amazing to be around, um, both in St. Louis and in general, uh, really, really just sold me on those games. And they, they got me so interested in that. I, I, Tekken 7, I think I was close to uh 90 hours in maybe um do i have it up on my pc i didn't buy the pc edition i only bought ps4 um and and rivals i'm currently at like uh, i don't know 50 like obviously not like super super clocked but you know more than most other games and i'm passing yeah. the threshold and i'm still playing them because uh 
they're just easy to play. They relax me when I'm, I'm not focusing super hard on arms. And like I said, I love the community here in STL for both. So do you, I also use fighting games to sort of unwind after like stressful times. And people kind of think of that as like crazy sometimes because <laughs> fighting games are not, you know, relaxing experiences most of the time. So in what way, I mean, from your perspective, then I want to hear your thoughts. What, how do you find the fighting games relaxing? Like what, what is relaxing about them for you? Um, so the thing with me that I find relaxing about them is that uh, I, I, when I play fighting games, I, I don't really even touch ranked. I, I haven't played ranked in arms in, in, I think, literally a year. I don't care about it. Yeah. I, I prefer either going offline with someone locally, like mm-hmm. at, at Moonbase Market or at Calmaria or, you know, Webster, wherever I can get my games offline. Mm-hmm. Um, or Wi-Fi with one of the local dudes if we can't get out. Because, you know, I'm making a direct connection with someone. Like, yeah. I'm not going to boot up Rainbow Six Siege by myself and expect to make, like, four friends every single lobby, you know? But uh, going offline to tournaments and stuff, I'm, I'm having interaction with people that I would call my friends, that I would be willing to say, you know, I'd love to go hang out with them. I'd love to go play Rivals of Aether at this one dude's house or, or go hit up a Tekken Fest, that kind of stuff. And I, I haven't gotten that with any other gaming community. And I think that's what's relaxing me the most about is, you know, I'm making a connection with people I like rather than just like booting up a game and, and trying real hard and stuff. But um, on the flip side of that, it's also that like, these aren't my main game. Like arms I take very seriously. When I boot it up, I'm looking for, for pretty dedicated practice. When I'm, when I'm playing Rivals of Aether, I'm looking for back air to back air to back air to back air. <laughs> like I'm, I'm looking for that are burned things. And when I'm doing Josie, I'm, I'm hitting buttons and seeing if my opponents actually know when it's safe to attack Josie through some of her strings. And if they don't, I'm just going to keep hitting buttons. Like that stuff that like, obviously I haven't poured as much time into, so I'm not going to be a top level player, but stuff that I've picked up on that is fun, that I enjoy and that is good. And I can just, pound at every single time I play and when I want to improve and, and focus on improving, I can do that in those games, but it's not a thing that I, you know, I have to set for myself. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point is the, the community aspect of just playing games with friends and unwinding in that way, even if it is a competitive game, um, the banter, just laughing with your friends over stupid crap that you can do in the game and things like that definitely make it like a great experience and it certainly can be relaxing so i think that's a a fair way of putting it i think uh i I honestly when i play arms sometimes even though i i will play arms to relax and it is competitive but uh, there's something soothing about playing something that you're familiar with and that you enjoy and also again playing with your friends makes it all the better Mm mm-hmm well, uh, and then I, my last sort of question, because I, I have seen you, uh, you drink quite a lot of Smash and Splash, and I want to know, <laughs> I want to know from your, from your mouth, what is your, your absolute, like maybe top, whatever, top alcoholic beverages, and, and why? Uh, I am, I am a big fan of tequila personally. Okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't originally like it when I started drinking. I was, I was really into to rum and coke when I started drinking. Yeah, um, as I had no tolerance. <laughs> um, many, I, I explain this to people that aren't necessarily in smashing. Smashing people know what I'm talking about, but every every you know smash scene in America uh, generally kind of has a thing they're known for. Um, they're different areas kind of excel at different things, or they're bogged down by certain characters, or they have certain players that kind of stuff. Well, St. Louis is known as is a party scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we 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 turned ESAM and MVD on to Fireball. Uh, I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. That story. No, that story is phenomenal. Um. So uh, to the, for the longest time, once I actually started drinking and hanging out more with the Smash players at Fest, where people would drink. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd be doing shots of stuff. You know, you know, obviously being responsible. I'm either crashing the night or I'm ha- yes. not having enough, and I can drive in five hours. Um, Absolutely, be so. responsible, listeners. One hundred percent. Um, but they're really into Fireball, and they they'd slam the hell out of it. So eventually, my tolerance raised. And I'm like, in order to continue being drunk off like a run, <laughs> I'd have to drink a lot of Coke. <laughs> At a certain point, it's becoming even less unhealthy. You know, yes, or even yes. more unhealthy, I should say. Um. And so then I eventually switched over to like uh, um, rum and like fruit juices, but that's always like a, a little bit harder of a mixed combination when you're looking for mixers because uh, rum and orange juice doesn't really mix all that well, and that's usually like a staple uh, like mixed drink. So then I moved on to to flavored vodka stuff with orange juice, and now I'm just I'm just straight up on like either tequila shots or tequila with orange juice because it's still the same <laughs> bite, and it's just. It's getting me there. That's that's right. that's it's flavorful. That's what I need, and I'm there. Fair enough. All right. Well, that that's good to hear. Yeah, I have heard about the fireball thing with STL, and I think that's cool. hilarious. And I'm surprised um, because... our players don't have like stock in the company or something. Fuck, them in business. <laughs> I feel like at some point uh, the the STL Smash Bros. Like someone needs to get sponsored by by Fireball at some point. And I looked into it. And I'm it... gonna look again. It, it, you have to, you can actually just request like a, a, a boatload of fireball at an event. <laughs> they, they do that's, that on their website. I think that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think that's a fair sponsorship. I tried it for smash out last year and we didn't have the proper tax documentation due to our situation this year. I need to double check and see if we do. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would be, that would make uh, smash out hunger a crazy time. Yeah. Well, awesome. And I guess from there, um, we are going to take a a short little break here. We will come back with um, our discussion about arms and talk about mentality and get into sort of the deeper stuff after this little break. And we hope you uh, have enjoyed it so far. We'll see you in a little bit. Transmissions, and we're we're here with Hanukkah still. Uh, he hasn't left us, thankfully. I, I I was worried, but he stayed with us. And we're gonna kind of get into the second half of the podcast, sort of talking about video game specific stuff and also mentality. And I guess Hanukkah. I know that we've spoken about this um, a, a while back, and I wanted for those listening to kind of hear your side, but you know, sort of give us the breakdown of. How, how and why you got into arms and what kind of piqued your interest and we'll kind of just take it from there okay yeah um so originally i had i had no interest in arms i was very cynical about nintendo stuff um when arms was first announced i was like i was watching directs with with 
friends at Webster University. We we'd sit in like one of the dorm gather rooms and we watch the directs. I saw arms come out. I was like, this looks stupid, dude. This game <laughs> looks like this game looks like shovelware. It looks like a pile of trash and it does not look enjoyable. And Nintendo is just shoveling shit out to put games on their new new fancy console that is a Zelda machine. Whatever. Yes. And so I agree. That summer I was only working at uh, Grant's farm for Photogenic Inc. Actually, no, I was working. I was working at the Anheuser Busch Brewery for Photogenic, um, and wasn't really didn't really have it too many other major plans. So I was I was hosting like uh, Smash Fest every Friday at my house so I could work on improving at the game. I really wanted to get better at Smash Bros for Wii U. I could finally feel like the grind coming up. Um, I had scheduled times and everything. Like you know, I, I had more time that summer because um, it wasn't it wasn't a nine to five. It was like a 10 to four or something with yeah. that job, whatever. It was like six days a week, but I had more time in the evenings. Um, anyway, um, that's when uh, Bryce, or, or as most people know him online, Burr, with three R's now instead of four, he dialed it back. Uh, <laughs> Toned it down a little bit. Yeah, he, he's warming up a little bit. Um, he, uh, he was coming over one of the Fridays, and he was like, hey, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to get arms. <laughs> like, I, told, I told my friend, I'm like, Literally, do not waste your time, dude. I don't think, <laughs> here, I don't think anyone here is going to play it. It's going to be really lame. He's like, no, no, dude, I'm doing it. I'm gonna, there's a Walmart literally right on the way to your house. I was like, all right. <laughs> so he, he shows up a little late with arms, and I'm like, please put your setup up. People are trying to play Smash 4. Uh, and he's like, okay. But he also puts up an extra monitor for a Switch. I was like, oh, look at this thing. It's neat. I haven't seen one in person. Um, yeah. And he puts up arms, and, and a few other people are playing it with him. Uh and he, he's trying to get me to play, and I'm like, all right, fine, I'll come, I'll come play. I'm to need a break from Smash 4 right now, and I've been, I've been on the sticks for like two hours straight or something at that point. Yeah. And I, and I get on, and I'm like, what the hell is up with this game? Why is this like this? And he's like lending me his pro controller. I'm like, oh, this thing actually feels surprisingly good, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And we get in to try it, and I want to play Twintel, and I mean, there's a cabal of people around me talking about her. And I'm like, I just want to play her because she reminds me of my girlfriend. <laughs> Chill the hell out, you weirdos. Um, Fair. And from there, I just, I really enjoyed how the game played. Like, the engine is incredibly solid. Um, it felt better to play than Smash 4 did, even though I didn't necessarily know that at the time. Uh, and it, I ended up only playing that for the rest of the night. And so that, oh, wow. like, uh, yeah, no, the next day I was like, hey, Burr, where are you going to be with your arms set up? Because I want to play more. <laughs> Because I was actually doing pretty well. Like the game made sense to me in a very, very early stage. You know, um, like especially the off. Like I think I discovered that night that you could, you could, because it, it was in version one. I don't know if you remember. You could grab yeah. and then you could immediately rush to to return those arms, and your opponent had to try to break the grab unless they get grabbed. And if they did try to break it, then you just react with rush and you get a free rush punch. Like it was amazing. Yeah. It was it was so dumb, and I'm so glad they patched it. But I found that like I think night one. And I felt really good at the game. I was trying to get more people into it. And eventually, I was just, I just came and like, oh, this game is so sick. I got to get a Switch. So I ordered like an ARMS pre-bundle. It, it came like literally two days before me and Burrs like decided to run our own tournament for it at... Um, <laughs> That's crazy. What is the store? What is the store? Uh, oh, crap, it's in Overland, Missouri. How did I forget the name? It just closed. It's actually really weird. We, we just saw the closing notification for it. Um... Comics and games shop. Sorry, my keyboard's gonna be real loud here. Black <laughs> that's a, that's Game okay. STL. That was it. Okay. Because um, they were running Thursday night. Or was it Wednesday night? It might have been. It might have been Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember. Oh no. Yeah, it was Thursday. Um, for for Smash Four. Um, 
And so we, we just kind of squeezed into a space for arms. And we were getting like good numbers. We were bringing up players that had never played like fighting yeah. games and STL before. Uh, we were getting a lot of crossover with Smash 4, people that really enjoyed the game and playing it as a side event. Um, and it was, it, was, it was awesome. It just kind of took off from there. That I mean, that's awesome to hear, and I kind of I, I definitely feel the same way in terms of I didn't I mean when I first saw Arms I thought the same thing like my I remember I think I was I was at a party or something and we were talking about the Switch and I was like yeah I really want to get a Switch for Zelda it looks really cool and my friend was like did you see the direct there's this game coming out called Arms I'm like it, it's just called Arms like that's that's the full, <laughs> like that's the full title of it. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so what is it exactly? And he's like, well, it's sort of like Wii Boxing, but it's not. And I'm like, okay. And I remember, I think one of the reasons, one of the other reasons that led to me sort of like impromptu buying the game was that um, I was talking to one of my friend, well, sort of an acquaintance who worked at Target and I was in the game section talking to him. And I was like, man, I'm really excited for Splatoon coming out. <laughs> at that point we knew about Splatoon. And he was like, you know what? I'm really excited for ARMS. Like if you looked into it, like all the different elements and the style of the game, it just looks really fun. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I guess, yeah, sure. And then I like went home, and I think at that point I watched the, the Nintendo Direct about it, and yeah, it was it, it compelled me in the sense of I'm always I love Nintendo, and I'm I'm a huge Nintendo fan of new IPs that they do, and I think that there is sort of that Nintendo magic or Nintendo polish on their games, and I I've never been a fighting game player. Like I played Smash Bros here and there, but I've never played competitively before this. And um, something about just the style, the art direction, the sound. Was, okay, I can get on board, you know? And that's kind of why I personally got into the game. And I think, you know, it, it certainly um, has captivated both of our attention and our, our, our time investment and you know, resources. But it is interesting because I think that, that I, I think there are probably other people out there that have sort of just stumbled upon it, you know, and they, they found sort of a, a hidden gem. And I think it is a really good especially for people new to fighting games or competitive gaming, I think it's a great like starting uh, game because it, it, when, it, when you boil it down, there's a lot of complexity in, in the game, but there's, you know, the, the, the overall idea of combat is rather simple. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a very uh, straightforward game up until you hit like the higher level, you know? Because mm -hmm. it, it, it's mostly just learning how to play neutral. Yeah. Um, which is, is, I can see why people wouldn't enjoy it, for sure. Like, a lot of neutral play can, can be very draining. Like, I know when I play ARMS, like, in a very long, like, run, I get really, like, thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like oh, I've been exerting so much energy to think, <laughs> I need, can someone give me some water? I need a break. I need to go lie down, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, really, though. Like, you, you can't rely on um, long-standing combos or, or a series of commands that you memorize in order to, like, just you know, zero to KO your opponent or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you are completely reliant on having good neutral in your play style and reading your opponent and thinking about what your opponent's going to do. And also, I mean, you know, every second you're kind of thinking about movement or something at the higher level. And yeah, it, it gets very uh, complicated at that level. But again, yeah, I think leading up to that, um, it's easy to see and it's easy to, you know, sort of, figure out what you need to do in, in a lot of ways. And I think that is a draw to, to players as well. So, Absolutely. and is that, has that been sort of why you think like, why you think you got drawn into the game or was there other like, 
factors at play? And also, when did you kind of get involved with the online community and sort of get plugged into that? Um, I think I think part of the reason that it, it, it stuck with me was just that it was it was more fun to play than Smash Four was at the time. Um, yeah, the more I played Smash Four and the more I interacted with certain members of the community and that that patch that they had, I was just I was just getting bored of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not to say that Smash Four was bad. It was just that I think it was getting stale. For yeah. me personally, with a lot of different elements all at once, my arms was new, it was fresh, it was right there. I was I was already pretty decent at it. Like at the the first tournament we had for it, I got second, and then the next one I got like third, and then the next one I got like third, something like that. Like I was I was enjoying playing it and practicing it, um, and so um, from there it it. it Kind of grew into running my own Discord, running my own Facebook group, uh, getting in touch with all these dudes locally, building more people into the scene, learning how to play the game, um, and eventually, you know, we were. I remember very distinctly the first time we streamed uh, Arms. We were like one of the first few groups to ever do it. So our first tournament stream for Thursday night fights at Overland in Overland, Missouri, at Game Haven. Uh-huh. Uh, we got like 60 viewers all at once. It was nuts. That's that is that is crazy. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Bro was like, we have we have so many viewers right now. It was it was absurd. Um, and those stream numbers actually kept up for a little bit too. That was it was crazy. Every time we'd stream, we'd, we'd get the same number of people in there. So eventually, uh, the shift in the online community. I joined uh, I joined Arms Central because it got linked in the 2GG uh, Arms Saga stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, started following a handful of players on on Twitter, and then also just like trying to find people who I knew were near the St. Louis area that played arms and would come to our tournaments. Because I was like, all right, I need to branch out to really weird locations. I got to get on Reddit. I got to get yeah. on uh, Twitter. I got to start spreading the word on Facebook, on any Discords I have, that kind of stuff. That's how I found Steelhead and Dirtflow because they were running Arms Central, and they're like, wait a minute tournaments here in st louis all right we'll be there i was like hell yeah <laughs> and have you noticed i mean have you seen that your friendships from uh arms like that you got plugged into have grown outside of just the game and sort of become you know friendships in real life or on the online scene oh yeah absolutely i mean we uh uh this 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 not past weekend but the weekend before it i'd gone up to chicago to see carlica and i hung out with crimson tame day yes i saw that yeah we were we were playing arms and and we went to to well Tandem couldn't join us because he's working late but we went to a place called Happy Lamb Hot Pot, which uh-huh. is like a Korean barbecue but everything's in a pot you you make it in a hot pot. Um, That's awesome. And it was it was delicious it was great and then we went back to Scrimps's place drank played Smash played arms and then you yeah. know called it a night at like one a.m. like it was great. That 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 stuff is definitely uh it definitely grows. That's what I like about the fighting games that like this stuff this stuff will grow out of just being like. You know, we're playing another team, GG's, whatever, see you guys later. Like, you know, like, I see these guys bi-weekly, monthly, however often, you know. Like, eventually you're just checking back in as friends because I've, I've shared a hotel room. I've shared eight-hour car rides. I've shared a a very active uh, a venting channel in Discord. <laughs> yes. A, a lot of these dudes, you know. Um, so you, you get to know a lot of a lot of the people really, really well. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I especially think that, you know, it's hard to kind of explain that that inside feeling to people on the outside or people even listening to the show, but it, it truly is a, a, an interest, like a, a unique and dynamic experience when you are in a community, especially during the early days of ARMS, where I felt like people were active like all throughout the day. Like you checked into Discord, you know, every hour or so into the channels talking about the game, what people were discovering. Um, everyone was experiencing the same sort of ups and downs in terms of like tournament placements or where what people were up to and different locals and majors and everyone was hyped for the same things. And going through that, like throughout um, a year to two years, like we've been with ARMS, it is sort of like you have this family of people that you you know things that no one else does and no one else from the outside can really see that. And then when you meet up, even after, even if it's been several months or half a year or a full year or two, multiple years, um, it's still like just reconnecting, like you just picking up, you know, back where you left off and still having this sort of camaraderie that really can't be explained any other way, you know? Mm -hmm. And and that's, that's amazing. And, you know, I think even, especially for a smaller scene like ARMS where we don't see, um, each other that often if we're in other states or other parts of the country because we we have very few majors and um, when we do not everyone is able to go so yeah you know it's it's a big deal and it does feel just like picking back up yeah absolutely so and i guess talking about that i mean what is your experience i know i was at smash the class five with you but talking about you know Smash and Splash Five and Switch Fast because you know we've you've been able to go to now two majors for Arms over the summer and how what has your experience been with that I mean I know Smash and Splash were tournament organizing obviously so it was a it was a bit different and a bit more taxing on you um, but what was your experience from those events and you know what are some of your takeaways from that experience um, I think. Uh, well, we'll start off. Yeah, I'll, I'll break it down into two parts. Let's start with Smash and Splash Five. Preparing for Smash and Splash Five uh, definitely took a lot of time, especially on top of my my adult job, where I like when I when I was working Smash and Splash Four, I was still in college. I like in the middle of my calculus two class would like pull up Smash GG. I'd pull up Twitter and I'd start doing some promotion stuff. Be like, get this done. So later on, I have more time for stuff, and I'm not doing anything in class anyway. I already finished the homework. Like. Yeah, um, it, it worked really well. And then now at my job, like if I get a few minutes of downtime, I can do that stuff. But I mean, if I got work to do, I got work to do. Um, yep. I, I can't I can't screw around for for two hours straight and then have my boss shaking and be like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, I haven't done any work. Like, uh, uh, it's just not possible. So I had a, I had a time block getting a lot of stuff done for Smash and Splash 5. Um, obviously, it wasn't as big as 4. It, we, <clears throat> 4, we had... 75 entrance between both brackets and now from Smash yeah. and Splash 4. We had the one. We wanted to run a side event and we didn't even get to do that because of the scheduling conflicts with Smash. Um, it, it was a smaller event overall, but I still think a really, really good one. We still had one Japanese representative come out, Chateau. He, yep. he seemed like he had a, a blast and, and Endman and Nami kept him really entertained in the room. Um, I gave them Japanese resources, so hopefully that made things easier. I don't know if it did. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But in addition to that, like we had, we had talent we hadn't seen before. We had returning talent that we were really excited about. Uh, like the new talent would be dastardly, the returning talent, you, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, from, from everyone I talked to and 
people that had entered other events, they uh, it sounded like ARMS was probably one of the best events at Smash and Splash. That's it, awesome to hear. It ran smoothly. It ran well. Matches were hype. Um, yeah. People, people enjoyed being there, being part of the presence. Uh, Pokin people enjoyed watching it. Uh, people that were cross-scheduled and Smash DQ'd because they were like, man, Smash is going to take forever. I don't really care. And ARMS <laughs> beat them properly. And I was like, you got it. Hell yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah it is. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking shots at the Smash side. That bracket format looked like it could have been amazing. Uh, but there were just issues with it fundamentally and the fact that there were technical issues from Smash GG during the event that caused it to run even worse. Like, so, so much stuff. It really became a, a, an almost like worst possible case scenario all at once for, for Smash and Melee. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I know they will not be doing that format again, for sure. It's uh, it, it, it was sad to see that a lot of people there who were really excited for Smash and uh, were really pumped for it didn't get what they expected, but I was glad that I could provide a really solid ARMS experience and a really solid Pokemon experience. Yeah, and for those listening who maybe didn't know the full story of Smash Plus 5, uh, there were several delays to the Smash events. Um, there was a lot of difficulties with running the events, and it was it was rather chaotic. And it, it, it was unfortunate because I think overall the tournament was awesome and people had a good time, but definitely mm-hmm. in terms of scheduling the event, yeah, there was there were some issues. And ARMS was, definitely ran really smoothly. And I think that you and uh, Burr and everyone else involved really did a good job with it. Mm. And even though I, you know, I didn't get to, uh, I didn't get to play. I felt a lot of fulfillment after out of organizing the event, uh-huh. hanging out, seeing everyone. I got to, I got to have a little bit more free time than I did last year. Thank God. Uh, yeah. I slept more mainly, so still as much work, but uh, more downtime to actually, you know, not not be awake constantly. <laughs> yes, that's good. That's always a plus. Um, and you know, I love Smash and Splash. I like the location. I like the idea of the whole event. Um, it, it's something that I find really interesting. And uh, they've talked about how they don't know if if Smash and Splash Six is going to be their last one because that's when their contract with the Kalahari ends. They might renew it. They might not. So yeah. Um, as far as the, we haven't talked about it yet because discussions don't really start until December. But I hopefully um, will be back with arms there again and running it to the best of my ability. Well, that will be that would be amazing to see, and I think uh, a lot of people would appreciate that because it would again be another time to meet up with everyone. Yeah. Um, and then, in addition to that, switching over to Switch Fest, um, traveling, traveling for the majors, like preparing for it, like when I did Heart of Battle, when I did Smash and Splash and Switch Fest, kind of sucks away time from stuff I'm I'm doing locally. You know, like I'm not I'm not as on the ball with rival stuff, with arms stuff, with smash out stuff it, it does suck away a lot of attention so i, I really have to carefully schedule and, and time block when i'm getting work done and make sure i don't forget so that i can still practice and prep for what i want to you know play because yeah. i mean that that's what i entered arms for was i wanted to be a player but i also had to be the one to say all right no one else is going to do it mask off i'm going to run my own tournaments i'm going to make sure <laughs> this game yeah i'm going to make sure the game succeeds you know because i want yeah. it um and so originally switch fest uh, I didn't, I, people, people, one or two people pinged me for Compendium, and I was like, no, thank you, no, thank you. I, I got hard to battle. I'm good. I, I did, I made it onto the Compendium. I didn't even get funded. I'm chilling. I'm fine. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a big push to support STL during that, which I was a big fan of. Um, not everyone that we wanted to made it on, of course. Come time for the event, 
Um, I'm, I'm staying there with Jor and Believe in our own hotel room. Uh, we heard Paras getting flown out for it. It was, it was an amazing uh, uh, setup of an event. You know, not the biggest arms major, but certainly one of one of the most fun I've been at. And I actually, I actually got tapped very last minute. I think literally two days before uh, the event to help run it. And I was like, <laughs> ah, you know, okay, whatever, fine. I guess this is just my life now. I just run all arms events. Um, oh, yes, you, yeah, that's your plight. Yeah. Um, and so then I get there and I'm actually, I'm actually running, running, uh, more of the event than I thought. I thought I'd be assisting someone else, but I was like, okay, you know what, just adapt. Uh, I'll do it. They got me a megaphone. So it's all good. I was able to do it just fine. Um, and as, as a result, you know, I felt like I was able to run pretty solid bracket pools. Uh, only had a few issues with, with when you, when you have land set up and, and someone wants to use a GameCube controller, you can't select competitive mode. So someone else has to do it for them. That kind of, uh, just the basic stuff you run into when organizing an event. Um, obviously had a lot of DQs, but that's because it's a free event. That's just going to happen. Yeah. It's just uh, people, people enter and then they don't show up because it's free. And there's, there's no drawback to putting five or $10 in, you know, um, correct. So, uh, I was really, really happy with my performance there as a player. Yeah. I, you, you did really well. Yeah, I, I beat Twin Five O twice in bracket. I double limbed him. I didn't even have to to run into Para or Malieve, who I was very afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yay! All right, bracket luck." Uh, Fair enough. Yes, yeah. Um, and then uh, I got to I got to play Astro twice in a row and get some good data downloaded from that. You know, even if I didn't beat him, I got I got info and was able to start doing some research on that. Um, then of course, you know, I got friendlies all damn night afterwards when they were. In the middle of them trying to, to practice breaking the game, we also got to do some other stuff. Yes, I did. I did see the the real life glitches stream of Arms, which was awesome, which was really so, hilarious. Yes, Para lit up. He was he was he was having such a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. love breaking that game. I was really excited to see Para there. Uh, anyone listening, um, Para is one of one of the top Arms players, pretty much in the world. He was able to go to the event. He kind of came back after a, a long hiatus, and I talked to him not too long before and after the event, and just sort of you know kind of caught up with him, see where he was doing in life. He's he's you know living in living in New York and enjoying stuff. And, um, but yeah, it was really exciting to see him make a comeback. Uh, and I, I, your performance in the event was really awesome. I mean, you got you got you got second, and you were. I mean, you. I think the the Twintel Doctor Coil matchup is is especially difficult and one of the hardest in the game. But I mean, I think you handled it. I think you handled it well. And again, it was it was a fun event. I'm really glad you you know you enjoyed it and you had a good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was it it was definitely like uh, one of the first majors I felt I I had properly prepared myself for. You know, I laid out a lot of the matchups that I could play, practiced for them all in a very specific and approachable and measurable way beforehand. And then I just came, delivered my results, did the best I could and, and walked away with, with, with results that, you know, I was in first place, but I was, I was for sure happy about it. Yeah. And, and I guess moving into our, what we kind of discussed in the show in terms of mentality, um, when you're, when you were preparing for the event, then like what, how do you, what, how do you approach like playing arms competitively or any other game? Um, and what sort of things are you looking for in terms of like crafting your tournament mindset and then how you approach the different matchups that you experience? Um, so I've been playing uh, fighting games starting with Smash 4 for uh, literally a little over 
uh, four years and four months, I believe. Because I had gone Smash 4 on like 3DS digital download. And I yeah, I don't remember what month I was in, but I remember it was still during school and like near the end of it because I was getting really distracted during finals. Um, and then when Wii U came out, I like saved up a bunch of money for my summer job, bought a, a used Wii U bundle off a trucker in the local scene who was leaving to go be a trucker and didn't want his Wii U anymore. <laughs> um, and then, you know, over the course of, of so many years, I loaded a thousand hours into to Smash Bros. for Wii U. Um, yeah. Literally, literally kind of nuts. But uh, I, I've had a lot of, lot of ups and downs and competitive mindset. You know, like you're first getting into the game and you're like, oh, you know, I'm pretty good. And then you, you just slap upside the head at a local. Now. Yeah. Um, you, you just get your ass beat. Uh, that, that's a, a very common universal experience many people have when they're entering fighting games for the first time. And then there's the, I, I don't remember the name of it, but it's it's that one curve that's like the, the beginner to expert knowledge level versus like how you actually perceive yourself. And the moment you hit like the beginning of mid-level, you just see yourself as a trash player. Yeah. And you think like you're you're terrible at the game and you don't know what you're doing. And then the more you get, eventually you get you get pretty comfortable, but you're still not as cocky as like the guy who has five hours in the game or something, you know? Because yeah. you know more. Um and so with with that, my mentality definitely followed that curve for a little while. Uh I was I was playing the game. I started as like a, a, a chic main, and then I got out of that because I couldn't figure it out, even though she was definitely the best character in the game at that point. I was a moron for switching off, should have just tried harder, but um uh, I was I was running stuff locally for the Webster Fighting Game Community within Webster. We were going out to like one or two other tournaments locally at um, Arizona Action Park Lanes back when they they had it there. I think it was Concord Lanes actually. Um, a few other places where the the Smash Four scene is sort of sort of getting its feet and getting off, uh, working towards making monthlies and stuff. And there were periods of times where I hit a plateau. Like I can't see how to improve. I'm getting my feet. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and for a while, I didn't know how to deal with those. Um, my solution in college was to grind harder through it, look up more videos, do more research, uh, practice new things, new stuff, practice how to beat this character over and over again. And I was banging my head against a wall and eventually I was, I was getting through, but it, it would take hours upon hours, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say that, that fighting games aren't work and they shouldn't, they shouldn't require work, but that, uh, it, it was especially near the end of Smash Bros. Lifecycle, burning me out. Um, yeah. And I kind of almost hit that again with ARMS, and then when I was starting to hit that with ARMS, uh, I kind of got busy with school, either graduation or finals, or it was like the start of my new job, I can't really remember, but uh, I just took like a, you know, not like an elongated break, but I was just like, I wasn't playing ARMS all that often. I was, I was doing some other games that my friends would hit me up. I'd have like an hour or two of free time once a day or whatever for games. Um, other stuff that I've been meaning to play like RPGs or, or multiplayer shooters, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I came back to arms and I felt so refreshed. You know, I, I yeah. felt like, all right, I played my side games. I had, I had some good time. Now I, not only from, from taking a break, have I thought about more things, but those side games have given me some ideas of how to play neutral different. Um, mm -hmm. And so it wasn't necessarily that I needed a billion hours to be amazing at the game, but I needed to, to just sort of spend more time existing in the competitive environment before my mentality and my skill level could increase. So now whenever I'm, I'm starting to feel burnt out or frustrated, I just take a break. I just step back and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go play a bunch of Rainbow Six Siege and see if I can't get myself out of silver, um, which is harder than I would 
actually like it to be in Siege. <laughs> but then, then I guess in addition to that, it's it's also, and you, you see it a lot with with newer players, um, realizing that in a competitive bracket, there is one person that wins the event, maybe eight people that get paid out max. Um, yep. Every other person that is entering that bracket is trying to win it. You know, you're not you're not an anime pro tag. You're not the main character of a show. It's real life. You're in a bracket, and there's a there's a good chance you're just not going to win. Yeah. You know, like if you practice, you perform, and you do your hardest. Even then, you just may not have what it takes to win that bracket. Um, and you just have to kind of have to keep that in mind that you're not going to win every bracket, and you shouldn't be measuring yourself based off results. Like I know I see I see uh, I literally got a tweet recommended the other day. It was Leon venting on Twitter. Leon the the Bowser man, I believe. Um, venting on Twitter, they got fourth at the local. And he's like, trash at this game, not good at it. I hate that my whole life revolves around. It. It's like, man, you, you got to do something else. Go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up a side game. Learn piano. I don't know. Do some other do some other. Sh- and realize that like you're playing a character that's good, but has weaknesses. You're you're playing in a game and a community where everyone else is trying to win and get get top and you're still getting like fourth you know and and so with with that and, and when i originally realized that kind of back in, in university was i was trying to measure myself based off improvement um mm-hmm. rather than results which i highly recommend everyone does at least at least for a very long while you know where i was like do i feel like i'm playing better today do i feel like my mentality is better do i feel like i'm hitting everything i've practiced like how i should be how many times am I hitting it successfully? If it's a really hard tech, am I missing it like half the time? Am I missing it a third of the time? Like so on and so forth, you know? It's stuff that you can you can lay out in measurable goals rather than just like the easy measurement of I got fourth at this bracket, but then I got seventh at another one. Oh well, rip. Like, no, you, you, you can you can lay out goals to to measure yourself. Pull up that tech video, practice it for 30 minutes, and then make it a goal to practice it for 15 minutes every day afterwards or something and then by the end of a week have you improved yes or no that kind, that kind of stuff that's that's what i've been measuring myself by for a very long time and it makes the fighting game experience much much more enjoyable than i think if you're just measuring by results because at a certain point when you're measuring by results you're, you're not even looking at your friends and bracket the same way you know you're you're looking at everything results based you kind of you kind of lose sight of of why i think not necessarily everyone, but why most people would have would have started playing games competitively in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you touch on a lot of great points, and I think, you know, first of all, we uh, I think breaks are a healthy and important aspect to any competitive career, and I think that you need to you need to be able to take breaks. And um, the the misconception that you're going to suddenly become terrible at the game is is false. It's not going to happen, and you know your your skill is still going to be there. You might you do some de-rusting, but it, it it can only really help you. I feel like in any competitive because it's it, it's important. And if you invest that heavily uh, into a career in anything, you know your job, your your hobbies, um, and you're looking for those results and you're not getting them, um, you're just going to be miserable. It's gonna it's gonna you know it's going to tear you down and it's important to to have a healthy balance in your life, you know, and everything in moderation, they say, you know, and that that's really true to even competitive gaming is, um, you know, there are times where you might be putting in a lot of, you know, like eight hour days trying to get good at something. Um, and, you know, that's awesome, but it's not, it's not always going to be the case. You know, it's going to, it's going to take some time and you shouldn't be working yourself that hard sometimes. And I guess towards your, your later, your later points that you brought up, um, 
yeah, I mean, measuring yourself based on what you can learn and, you know, if you're landing text versus not landing stuff or otherwise is a way better measure of success. You know, uh, wins and losses are going to come and go and being beat up over that or, or, you know, looking at people in a different way. Ultimately, people mostly start games to have fun, and that should be the goal from start to finish, and you shouldn't lose sight of that. I think that once you lose sight of the playing a game for the pure enjoyment, at, at least as part of why you're playing, you know, the success might be part of it if you're a top-level player, but having fun should still be the, the focus. And if you lose that, I feel like you're just going to become miserable, and eventually it'll it'll you know, uh, lead you to just leave the community, you know, or, or the game or, or burn out and, and fall off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Definitely just needs to be, you know, if, if you're going to be interested in it, especially if you're going to pursue it at a, at a higher level where you're like a top player and stuff, there definitely just needs to be a balance of this aspect of it is, is the part where I'm working really hard. And this fact of, aspect of it is where I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm just chilling. I gotta, I gotta, take breaks and not always view it as a serious thing. Cause otherwise you burn yourself out. on it. Yeah. And, and I guess from your perspective though, in terms of top players, you know, what are, what do you think that top player have, or maybe what they should have in terms of their, their personality, their play styles, um, the, the qualities that make them, you know, the greats. Um, what do you think that those characteristics are? Um, at least when it's coming to arms, I think it's a flexibility of play styles. Uh, okay. I used to lock myself into one very specific set with Twin Tail and just kind of rock it wherever, as, yeah. as if it was you know back in the old days and defaults, and it, it just didn't work. You know, if if I wanted the W and I wanted to to have a much more even, enjoyable experience in matchups, I had to learn to use new arms. I didn't necessarily have to learn to use a new character like I thought. That that definitely is is something that I think is applicable in other fighting games for sure, especially more like matchup based ones like rivals of either where every character is good, but then, you know, you, uh, you're, you're just going to get screwed by a bad matchup. Uh-huh. Um, that, that sort of stuff is applicable there, but in arms, you can, you can swap arms all the times and still get, get along pretty well, except in the case of, of maybe a few very specific matchups. Um, and then in terms of, personality mentality um you just gotta make sure that you don't get frustrated in bracket you know if you if you start letting your emotions run wild in bracket it's gonna be really hard to win because you're just not thinking straight yeah but i think that goes for for a lot of games obviously you know like if you're distracted if there's a bunch of stuff bothering you if your phone's ringing off the hook with important job and, and real life stuff uh, you're just gonna end up probably dropping games in bracket uh because it'll it'll affect you know you I can't remember what manga that was, but uh, they, they presented the idea of skill skill ceilings and skill floors and then you know everything in between where player A, who's not as good as player B, could beat him if player A is playing at a skill ceiling and player B is playing at his skill floor, you know? Yeah. I, I agree, and I think that there's, there's sort of this... Uh dedication persistence sort of this almost like a an outlook or or i don't know maybe stoic nature to it as well in terms of being able to compartmentalize outside stresses and outside things going on and then what's going on in the moment and being able to make that distinction i think that's you know a really important aspect that i think that 
you're sort of, you know, that's sort of what you're addressing. And it's difficult to achieve. I mean, I think that's why you don't see everyone being a top player, even if they invest the time into it, right? It's it's that you have to have this very, very particular outlook and you need to be able to almost make yourself like a robot, you know? And, and I think that, um, I mean, at least in the way that I play uh, arms or, or in competitive scene, like I, it's a, it's a robot mentality in terms of like, you know, I'm here for this one thing and everything else falls on the wayside. And uh, it's hard. I, not, every, not everyone can do that. And even top players can't do that a lot of time. It's, it's difficult to make that, you know, conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally understand. Especially, especially when you, if you're in a competitive scene uh, in any sport or game, and the more you play, the more storylines and emotions towards other players or other people develop, and it's difficult. It gets way more. It's much harder to balance that when you have the external pressures of thinking about what everyone else thinks about you, which can be you know harmful in a lot of ways and difficult to manage. Uh, to you know. Um, wanting to place well because you've you you feel like you've earned your spot there or something else yeah yeah that's the 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 storylines and and perceived legacies and stuff that definitely gets in the way of of the headspace a lot of the times in my opinion yeah i agree and i guess what so for from your perspective what would you what what would your advice be to listeners and competitive players either beginning or you know long standing um in terms of what can what are some things that they maybe could work on if they are struggling with with mentality or or you know their tournament placements what do you think are some really helpful tips that that could help them along uh i mean if you find yourself getting frustrated a lot i think you need to take a step back and try to identify what it is you know like you're if you're not placing all you need to find a different way to measure yourself if you're not having fun maybe maybe it's a whole new game you need to play um if Maybe you need to change your main. Maybe you need to do something else. It, 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 a lot of, of self improvement comes from really good and directed. Um, uh, I just had the word for it self, self inquisition, uh, self development, whatever. Look, looking internally and, and really being able to, to compartmentalize what's bothering you and how do you tackle that. Um, that. That I think is the first step a lot of people can take. Because it, it, nine times out of ten, I think the answer is usually there's this thing that I don't know about this matchup, or there's a thing I would like to do in this matchup that I don't know how to do it. Um, and that's looking out to the community, more knowledgeable people, looking out to video guides or text guides, stuff like that. Those resources are there and it's available, and all you got to do is just reach out and ask. And then the other one time out of ten, it's it's something bigger where it's like I gotta I gotta make a big change either in my own personal life or in in how I approach this game so that I can improve because there, there's a wall that's not just like player based. It's, it's emotional based. Yeah. The emotional wall can be difficult because mm. especially when you're, I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of, a lot of esport and competitive players are in their teens or early twenties. I mean, they're obviously players older than that, but you're in a development uh, period. You know, you're going through high school, you're going through college, you're, getting a job, uh, you know, which is what kind of where we're at. And you're still forming as a person, both in personality and characteristics of that nature. Um, and also, you know, handling, um, the development of a lot of other things that are going on. And it's difficult to like 
it's difficult to um, handle that while you're also essentially trying to play a game in a very, you know, ones and zeros binary type system. So it doesn't doesn't make it easy. And, you know, people are messy. So I feel like as as you play in a longer uh, timeline in terms of your career, you're going to run into these roadblocks, you know, especially if you're going from like college to high school, if you're graduating college and then working full time, you're going to hit those blocks and you got to figure out a way how to manage that, you know, manage hitting that wall and get past it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a great point too. It's like a lot of big, big life changes are happening for you when you go from like high school to college, college to real job, uh, college to summer job, stuff like that that it's going to unbalance your game too because it's not the same headspace no no it's not not. yeah and i mean i think hearkening back to what we talked about towards the beginning of this uh podcast as well is that having a good support network and friends and family is also a way that honestly can help you out in the competitive realm you know i think that people get it twisted that um unless you're just playing the game and focusing on the competitive scene, that's the only way to improve in the game. And while the technical skill and stuff like that is is true, I think there's a lot to be said for the influence of friends and family or the influence of good friends coming along and, and you know telling you advice or talking about stuff like you know what we're talking about here, mentality, that will help you improve or get past barriers. Um, and having that network is vitally important and will only help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I, I just, I, I think that you know, I really appreciate you talking about this stuff with us and, um, you know, just kind of, again, coming on the show to, to discuss, you know, what we're kind of getting at in terms of just talking about video games mentality and going from there and, um, Hanukkah, you know, is there anything else that you wanted to add or anything else you maybe wanted to, to tell listeners in any way, shape or form? Also, if you want to, you know, give yourself a shout out, you can absolutely do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't really have anything else. I think most of my message about mentality and, and fighting games is from the, the perspective of a, a, a mid-age, basically getting into mid-age player. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you want to, if you want a different mentality perspective, you could talk to like really old heads, like people who've been playing Street Fighter since like two Turbo. You know those dudes. Yeah. <laughs> those dudes are old as hell, and they, I mean, they're still good at the games. They're still playing them. Half those yeah. dudes have families, and they're still winning tournaments and taking photos on stage with their kids. Like totally different mentality, mindset. Lots of different experiences there that you could look into. Um, but even even just beyond that, just looking around and and talking to people locally and how they handle it could be could be a good place if you have more questions about mentality and sort of how to how to push yourself further. And then uh to plug things, Smash Out 2019 coming up November 16th, smash.gg slash SO2019. That's happening in St. Louis, Missouri. We've got ARMS, Smash Ultimate, Melee, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, and Guilty Gear XRD Rev2 as our main games for this year with five side events being announced this saturday they should be um that is all for charity our community is really rattling behind this one the the marvel and guilty gear guys have made their own advertisements they've already drummed up pot bonuses from people that aren't able to attend donations have already started coming in it's it's an amazing time here in st louis it's one of the most accessible 
quote unquote majors, if you want to call that, uh, you can call it a regional. And even then it's still, it's still cheap as hell. Currently pre-registration is five bucks. It'll go up to 10 in a week. Uh, and then every event to enter costs $5, nothing too crazy. We'll have free food on site. We'll have raffles. We'll have an on-site free play area with arcade cabinets this year and VR. Uh, we'll have a silent auction with tons of exclusive goodies from local places around STL and maybe a few others. Uh, we'll be streaming all day on a number of different channels just for each game and all the side events. It's a one-day event, so it's easy to travel for. Check it out if you think you might even maybe want to travel to an offline arms event because we put on a good show. Or if you want to travel for any of those other games, check us out. Yeah. No, and you absolutely do put on a great show. And unfortunately, because we do have a level of post-production we do on the show, this might not come out by the time that uh, the pre-registration bonus is no. um, is active. But again, <laughs> we I know it should we should have this out though before the actual event. So obviously check out Smash Up Hunger and then also you can find Hanukkah on Twitter at Hanukkah Jamboree without the, the last E. No, Twitter has a 15 character right? limit and Hanukkah Jamboree is 16! Oh! <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yes, um, well, again, Hanukkah, thanks for coming on the show. And we appreciate, you know, again, having this discourse about mentality. And I, I guess I want to stress also to, to listeners and, um, that, you know, Hanukkah said, you know, talk to people locally about this kind of stuff. And I think that's a good point is that a lot of the time we get focused on the skill side of, of games, technical aspect, and don't talk about these sort of internal struggles that we are facing, you know, and it's important, I think, for for, for friends or even uh, fellow um, you know, gamers discussing these sort of topics because it, it's important and it impacts everyone, but no one really wants to bring it to the surface because it does, it does open up a level of vulnerability. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that, and I think it can only help people out. So, again, thank you, Hanukkah, for coming on, and look forward to uh, our next episode, which I think, if everything is scheduled correctly, it should be the season finale uh, for season one. So, thank you guys. I know, yeah, we got we got, a, we got an awesome guest on for that. So, um, again, thank you guys for listening, and have a great one. Wholesome Transmissions is co-hosted by me, Pineapple Freak, and Radio. You can find Radio on Twitter and SoundCloud at Dead Poetrism, and you can't find me anywhere because I'm not on social media. Our artwork was made by Griffical. You can find him on both YouTube and Twitter at Griffical, and our music was made by Scrimps. You can find him on Twitter, YouTube at Scrimps, and on SoundCloud under DJ Wody. Radio produces these episodes, and both Radio and myself edit them. We would like to also thank the ARMS community for making us who we are today, and also giving us the connections to be able to do this show. Thank you guys.